You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. We pray this message encourages you today. Thanks for listening. Well, today we're kicking off a new series called I Am, Jesus in His Own Words. And over the next few weeks, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at Jesus' I Am statements that are recorded in the Gospel of John. These are statements that Jesus made about Himself to tell us who He was and what He came to do on, in this world, uh, what His ministry was all about. Uh, a few months ago, I listened to the audio version of Prince Harry's book uh, called Spear. I don't know if you guys read this book. It was kind of a big news story when it came out. And, you know, we've all heard the media versions of Prince Harry's life over the years. And, and I don't know what you think about the royal family or what opinions you have about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. But I actually was surprised at how much I got sucked into the book because it was just fascinating. I mean, whatever you think about the guy, he's lived a fascinating life as a prince of, you know, the United Kingdom. And it was just so interesting to hear him tell his own story, his side of the story, in his own words. I totally got sucked into it. Now... Here's the interesting thing. What we're going to do in this series is we're going to hear about Jesus' life, who he was in his own words. Uh, this series is going to be so helpful for you wherever you are in your spiritual journey. For those of you who might be exploring faith and this is your first time in a Bible teaching church like this or your first time uh, back in church in a long time and maybe you're still kind of exploring what faith is all about, this is going to be a great series for you. It's going to be a great series for those of you who consider yourself to be a committed follower of Jesus. See, if you want to explore Christianity, you have to start with who Jesus is. See, Christianity, it's not enough just to study doctrine and beliefs and philosophy. All that stuff is wonderful. Theology is wonderful. I love that stuff. But at the essence, at the core of Christianity is Jesus Christ himself. And so if you want to explore Christianity, you have to start with him. And of course, if you're a follower of Jesus, we have to continually go back and tune into his voice. We live in a world with so many voices trying to tell me and you how to live our lives. And many times we end up being more influenced by those voices than the very voice of the Son of God. And so we have to tune back in to the voice of Jesus. And so today we're going to look at our first I am statement. John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus says this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, what did Jesus mean by this when he said, I am the bread of life? Well, to answer that question, we're going to have to get a little context today, okay? We need to kind of back up a little bit earlier into the chapter because Jesus makes this statement to a crowd of people after he's performed a miracle. So earlier in John chapter 6, Jesus performs a miracle. It's a rather famous miracle in the Gospels. It's the feeding of the 5,000. Feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus is out in this remote area. He's teaching this crowds of people who have come to hear him teach and they're hungry and there's nowhere to go and buy food. It's kind of a crisis, an emergency. His disciples don't know what to do. And this young man comes and he has five loaves and two fishes, okay? If this was New York, somebody would have brought Jesus a large pizza and a side salad and said, Jesus, what can you do with this, okay? And he just started multiplying the slices. <laughs> and so Jesus performs miraculous multiplication. It's amazing. There's enough to feed 5,000 people. In fact, they only counted the men back then. So this was most likely 5,000 households. There were women and children involved here as well. And the Gospel of John tells us that there were 12 basketfuls of leftovers. They had so much food to feed all the people. Verse 15 tells us that the people wanted to make Jesus king after they experienced this miracle. How many of you know politicians have known this for, year, for years? If you start giving people free stuff, they will vote for you every time. <laughs> All of a sudden, they want to make Jesus king. And Jesus knows, no, that's not the kind of king I came to be. And so Jesus escapes 
He leaves, he sails to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And then you fast forward a few verses into chapter six and everybody's looking for Jesus, this prophet, this miracle worker, the one who they believe might be the Messiah, the long awaited redeemer of God's people. And so they get into boats and they track Jesus down. Okay, this is like the paparazzi, like trying to track down a celebrity and they find Jesus. And when they do, they have this really interesting conversation. We'll pick it up, John chapter six, verse 25 through 26. It says, they found him on the other side of the lake and asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I'll tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Jesus says, you tracked me down because I fed your stomachs. I filled your stomachs, but you missed the point. I have more for you. Verse 30, 31. They answered, show us a miraculous sign. If you want us to believe in you, what can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Can you imagine speaking to Jesus this way? I would have just killed them all right there. That's why I'm not Jesus. I'd have been like, I just multiplied the loaves and the fishes. Get out of my face. Like fire from heaven. You ought to kill them all. But here's the thing. The people think that just maybe Jesus is the Messiah because his miracle reminded them of, of Moses and how God miraculously provided manna, bread from heaven for the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 16. And so they're kind of connecting the dots and they're like, well, you know, show us, who, who, who are you really? Because just maybe you might be the Messiah. Verse 32 through 35, skip a few verses. Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. There it is. And there's the context of what's happening here. Now, earlier in the Gospel of John chapter 2, uh, Jesus performs his first miracle, the turning of water into wine. He was at a wedding in Cana. And John tells us that Jesus' first miracle, it was a sign. It says that this was the first of many signs that Jesus performed to reveal his glory. In other words, Jesus' miracles were meant to be signs. And how many of you know that a sign points you to something? The sign isn't the destination. The sign is meant to point you toward the destination. If you come to a sign that says New York City, 25 miles, you're not in New York City. You gotta follow the sign to get to New York City. So Jesus' miracles uh, were not meant to just be a demonstration of his power to impress people, to wow people. They were meant to reveal something about him. They were signs that revealed something. So when Jesus fed the 5,000, again, this wasn't to impress everybody. It was a sign. The miracle was not the point. The miracle was meant to point the people to their need for Jesus, not their need for physical bread. Jesus said, you, you came to me looking to have your physical appetite met, but I can satisfy the deepest longing of your souls. Jesus said, like, I am the point of this miracle. It's a sign that points to me. I'm the bread of life. I am the thing. I am the one that you are truly looking for. In business terms, give the customer what they need, not what they think they need. <laughs> and so what did Jesus mean? when he claimed to be the bread of life. I'm gonna give you three observations today. Talk about what he meant by this whole idea of being the bread of life. Here's the first one. When Jesus said he was the bread of life, Jesus is saying that he alone is essential. He's essential. Come on, everybody say essential. 
He's essential. How many of you know that bread is essential? Like bread is one of those staple things in almost any diet in any culture around the world. You can find it in almost any, any culture around the world. See, when something is essential, it's, it's a primary. It's, it's a priority that you can't live without. Just ask the Italians in here. They will tell you, you cannot live without bread. you got to have it at every meal. It's not enough to have a plate full of pasta. What else do you need with it? You need some bread. Have you guys been to Italy before? It's amazing. Don't go to Italy if you're trying to lose weight. It's amazing. And it's just a carb fest. You know, it's just bread and pizza and pasta. And why not throw a little gelato in there? And we Americans, we go over there and we gain weight. And all the Italians are skinny. It's like, what are we doing wrong here? <laughs> but it's amazing. Got to have your bread, right? Got to have those carbs. It's essential. Let me ask you this. What is essential to your life? Your work, your career, your money, your family, your hobbies. See, if it's essential, you make it a priority. And I think one of the challenges for us as modern day people is we naturally compartmentalize our lives. It's like, oh, there's my spiritual life. There's my career life. There's my sex life. There's my social life. And, and then we want to add Jesus kind of to like, you know, we want to find a compartment for him and try to cram him into our really busy, overscheduled lives. And Jesus would say, I don't want to just be one more compartment. I don't want to be one more thing. I want to be the thing. I'm calling you to reorient your life around me. I want to be the great priority of your life because I am essential. Let me show you another example of this, okay? I want to show you again how the people responded to Jesus. We read these verses a second ago, but let's look at them again. Verse 30, 31. It says, they answered him, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. Like, what, what can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Basically, the people were saying to Jesus, if you're the Messiah, then you should be able to do even greater miracles than Moses. That's what they were saying. Like the people wanted Jesus to perform miracles on demand. Like they wanted Jesus to be a glorified bread dispenser. And this is proof that miracles are not enough to make Jesus the center of your life. After all, he had just fed 5,000 families, 5,000 households, and that wasn't enough to convince the people. Now, we're actually not that different than the crowd because we often find ourselves saying things like, God, I'll follow you if you just fill in the blank. Like, God, God, I'll follow you. Like, give, give me a sign that, that you're there. Like, if you would just send me a spouse, if you would just give me that dream job, if you would just help me make a lot of money, if you would just heal my, my sick loved one. And let me just tell you, church, whatever you fill in the blank with is the thing that you want more than God. When you say, God, I'll follow you, if you just fill in the blank, and sometimes we pray this way and we think this way without even realizing it, whatever you fill in the blank with is what you want more than God. And see, many of us start there when we first begin to follow Jesus. Uh, maybe you experienced the power of Jesus in a very real way. Maybe he healed you. Uh, maybe he restored a relationship. Maybe he made a way for you, provision in your life, financial provision, helped you get a new job. And, and so, man, you, you experienced the power of Jesus and that made you want to follow him. And there's nothing wrong with starting there. The problem isn't when you start there. The problem is when you stay there and your Christianity is completely built around what he can do for you instead of how you can serve him. That, that, that's the problem. And so what happens is when we kind of just get fixated on following Jesus because of what he can do for us, we end up with a what have you done for me lately mentality. A what have you done for me lately spirituality. And you know what? That's how we relate to our sports teams and our quarterbacks. It's not how we should relate to Jesus. 
Patrick Mahomes, great, great, greatest player of our time right now, just won the Super Bowl. Whether, you're not, whether or not you like the Chiefs or Mahomes, like it's kind of hard to argue with the fact that he is like the best player in the NFL right now. Everybody's cheering him on, celebrating him. Now, if Patrick Mahomes goes for the next three or four seasons without a Super Bowl, what do you think KC fans are going to be saying? What have you done for me lately? I know some of you might say, well, it's not likely to happen, but guess what? They did it to Tom Brady. They did it to Drew Brees. I can tell you, like, they, they've done it to all of the greats. What have you done for me lately? And sometimes we kind of develop that kind of mentality as it relates to God. And here's how Jesus answers the people. Look at this again, verse 32 through 33. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus says, God, the Father is offering you me, the bread of life. I am the real gift. If you lose everything and you end up with Jesus alone, if all you've got is Jesus, you've got everything. You've got everything you need. Listen to me, that's not just preacher talk. Because if you walk with Jesus long enough, if you endeavor to follow him and have a relationship with God, and some of you, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. But for those of you who are new to this, if you walk with God long enough, there will be seasons when you pray and your prayers don't get answered. There will be seasons when you pray and God isn't working on your timetable and you don't understand what he's doing and all you have to hold on to is his presence in your life. And let me just tell you, I've lived long enough. I've been through enough stuff to tell you that is enough. That is enough. I've, I can look back at seasons of my life where we walked through tragedy, hurt, loss, but God's presence was there. Jesus, the essential bread of Life is everything we need. Here's the second thing. What did Jesus mean when he said, I am the bread of life? Jesus is saying that he alone sustains. He's the one who sustains us. And so Jesus ends up having this really lengthy discussion with the crowd about what it means that he's the bread of life. And there's a little bit of pushback here. And then he says this. We'll skip to a few verses into it. John 6, 49 through 50. He says this, your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. I like this. Jesus is kind of giving it back to them. You want manna? Guess what? Your ancestors, they're all dead. Look at verse 50. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. They'll never die. Jesus says, in other words, anyone who receives me, anyone who takes me into their life, they will never die. The bread that your ancestors ate, it sustained them for a season, but I can sustain you for a lifetime. I can sustain you even in the life to come. I'm the one who can give you eternal life. Now, you can read about how God gave the Israelites manna in Exodus chapter 16. Okay, you can go read about it. The Israelites, you know, Moses had had been used by God to deliver the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. They end up in the wilderness and they start complaining like you brought us out here to the wilderness. We're going to starve to death out here. And God says, no, I'm going to feed the people. And he begins to rain down bread from heaven. Like every morning the people would go out and collect the bread. And literally this is how God sustained the people for 40 years in the wilderness. And here's what you have to realize. Manna was not God's long-term plan. He wanted to bring them into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. Manna was not God's long-term plan. It was meant to be something to sustain the people for a season while they were in the wilderness. Manna was a foreshadowing of Christ. Manna pointed to Jesus Christ who would come, who would be the ultimate fulfillment of, of this. He, he would be the bread of life come down from heaven to earth. Now, 
Remember, Jesus is talking to his own people in this episode that we're reading. He's talking to his own people, the Jewish people. And one of the things that stood in the way of the Jewish people accepting Jesus is that they were holding on to the past and they couldn't receive, they couldn't see the new thing that God was wanting to do through his son. They were holding on to Moses. They were holding on to the Old Testament, to the laws and the commandments and the great stories of the past. Here they are fixated on Moses and his miracles and manna and they're kind of like, Jesus, what can you do? And this is why Jesus even told the religious leaders, the most spiritually elite people in all of his culture, this is why he even told them the sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors are getting into the kingdom of heaven before you. Why? Because the religious leaders were holding on to their own purity, their own righteousness. See, they were holding on to the old and they couldn't receive the new. The sinners weren't holding on to anything. They knew they were broken. They knew they were messed up, and that's why they could accept Jesus and get into the kingdom of God. And I just wonder, church, if we're holding on so tightly to what we already have or we've already had before that we can't receive the new thing that God is wanting to give us. Come on, some of us are holding on to a relationship, and God is saying, I have something so much better for you if you would do things my way and honor me and trust me. Some of you, maybe you had a, a door shut on a job, a door shut on your career, and God would say, trust me, let go of that and just open your heart. Place your faith in me. I got something new for your life. Some of us are holding on to religiosity and our good works and trying to please God. And Jesus is saying, if you would let go of that, that I can, you can embrace my grace and I would come in and change your heart. Some of you are holding on to an experience you had with God in the past and God would say, I want to do a new thing in your life. Let old things go. Behold, I make all things new. I wonder if sometimes we look for substitutes to get us through the wilderness instead of holding on to the Savior who sustains us. And Jesus would say, whatever you have in your hand, you got to let it go. Hold on to me because nothing else will sustain you. I can tell you, many of us, we've tried other things. We've tried to follow Jesus and go after other things. We've tried to hold on to him with one hand and hold on to something else that does not recognize his best for us, only to recognize that everything we need is found in him. He is ultimately the one who will sustain you. Relationships can be taken away. Money can be taken away. Your health can be taken away. Status can be taken away. All the things that people find themselves chasing after can come and go. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I'm the one who can sustain you. Here's the third thing. What did Jesus mean when he said, I'm the bread of life? Number three, Jesus is saying that he alone saves. He's saying he alone saves. Look at verse 51. Here's, here's what he says to the people. He says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. Jesus says the bread that God gave the people, manna, could save them physically, but it couldn't save them spiritually. In other words, you have, you have this picture in your mind after I just did this miracle of what God did for your ancestors in the wilderness. And yes, God for a season sustained the people physically, but the bread that is standing in front of you right now, I am here to, to save you spiritually. Jesus says, I am the bread. I am the one who can actually save you. Anyone who receives me, anyone who places their faith in me, who follows me will live forever, will experience eternal life. 
In a few verses earlier, Jesus describes this eternal life in resurrection terms. Let's back up and look at verses 39 through 40. Here's what Jesus said to the people. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose any, should not lose even one of all those he gave me. He has given me. In other words, everybody that I came to save, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. What is Jesus talking about? Jesus is talking about the resurrection, the day when he will return and fully conquer death. That He'll call those who have followed him, those who are dead in Christ shall rise, shall be resurrected, right? Talking about the resurrection. In other words, eternal life is resurrection life. The apostle Paul said that the same spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead resides on the inside of you. Eternal life isn't just something we long for and await in heaven. It's something you can experience right now. It's a quality of life that comes into your life right now. Jesus said it's life and life more abundantly. Eternal life invades the present. It can sustain you. It can strengthen you. It can save you. And look at verse 51. Here's what Jesus said. In this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. See, Jesus alludes to the fact that he will literally give his own body, his flesh. He will literally give his own body to be broken for the salvation of humanity on the cross. And we remember this every time we take com communion and we break bread together. Quite often I say, we, as we bless the bread, that Jesus, you are the bread of life. It's the reminder that he gave his body. He was broken that we might be made whole. So Jesus says this, you want me to give you free bread? And, and you want to eat, you want to eat every day, you know, free bread that I can give you. You want me to perform miracles on demand, but I'm offering you so much more. I'm offering you myself, my life for you. Like my brokenness is going to become your salvation. I'm going to be broken so that God the Father can make you whole. What's going on here? What's going on here? I'll tell you what's going on. Jesus recognizes a deeper longing on the inside of the people. He says, you're following me because I fed your belly. You're following me because you want to experience the awe of seeing a great miracle worker. You want to see this great prophet who can teach these things. Maybe you're hoping I'm the Messiah who's going to overthrow the Romans and restore the kingdom of Israel. you got all, all these ideas in your mind. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. There's a longing deeper in your hearts. Jesus saw deeper into their hearts. It's kind of like this. He, he recognized everybody has, spiritual, has a spiritual hunger. It's kind of like that old Bruce Springsteen song, Everybody's Got a Hungry Heart. Anybody remember that one? You know that one. Everybody's got a hungry heart. I'm trying to bring it back to you. Get on YouTube, watch it later. Everybody's got a hungry heart. Jesus knows deep down on the inside, everybody's got a spiritual longing. So this past week, my poor wife, um, she was sick for a few days. I'm glad that she bounced back. She was up here to lead worship. But she was sick in bed, and she was watching some old episodes of The Bachelor. Come on, any Bachelor fans in the house? Hey, don't judge your pastors. Even your pastors need something mindless to watch when you're laying in bed sick. She was watching The Bachelor, and I'm like, I kind of walk by, and I'm laughing. I'm like, I can't believe you're watching that. That's like junk food for your mind. I'm making fun of her, right? But you know what happens is you end up getting sucked in. Every time I stop by, I'm kind of talking to her for a few minutes, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Which one is he going for now? No, 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 he needs to choose the blonde. He had chemistry with her. Like, what's going on? I'm getting sucked into this. Don't judge me. If you ever watch The Bachelor, before, don't even get started. You'll just get sucked into it. And so I'm kind of, you know, getting sucked into it a little bit. But here's what, like, tripped me out. And I mean, I haven't watched The Bachelor in years. Like, I watched it when it first came out, like, 20 years ago on network television before we had streaming. And 
But here's what I couldn't believe. You have all these girls, you know, dating this, this same guy, just hoping to get a rose. Will you accept this rose? And getting their hearts broken, you know? Like, I know some people go on there and they're not sincere, but some of these girls, like, they're on there and they're sincere, you know? And they're putting their heart into it and they're leaving, you know, they leave in the black car if it doesn't work out and they're talking to the camera and they're just so brokenhearted. And I'm like, feel so sorry for them. Like, you put your heart into this and some of them just, just saying, I just, I just want to be loved. I just want to find the right person. I came on the show just hoping I would find the person I'm going to marry. And it just hit me. Everybody's got a hungry heart. Everybody's longing for something. Jesus knows that everyone has a hungry heart. We're all longing for something. Listen to me. Maybe you're a man who felt like you could never be good enough for your father. Maybe you felt like you never had your father's approval. And that has driven you to work hard your whole life. Maybe you never stopped to realize that, but you secretly on the inside, because what your father thinks about you is so important, maybe that's driven you to work hard your whole life. And here's what the father would say. I loved you so much that I sent my one and only son to die for you so that you could have the approval of your father in heaven and be called a son of God. I did that for you. Maybe you're a lady in this place and you've experienced rejection. You've experienced hurt. Maybe you've been through divorce. Maybe somebody hurt you in that way. And Jesus would show you the love of the Father in this way. He would say, you are so worthy. You are so, you are so worthy that I sent my one and only son to die for you, to make you beautiful, to show you how beautiful you are, like you were worth dying for. And the self-sacrificial love of Jesus, it changes your heart. It makes you more beautiful than you could ever be on your own. Everybody's got a hungry heart. Everybody's longing for something. Come on, I want to remind you today that Jesus' miracles, they were signs. This miracle that he did when he divided the loaves and the fishes and fed the 5,000, it was, it was a sign. Jesus was showing us something. Here's what he was showing us, that he came to deal with human suffering. He came to deal with human suffering. He came to heal our hungry, broken hearts. Because every miracle, if you think about it, that Jesus did, it was an assault on human suffering. Think about it. He healed people, opened the eyes of the blind, cleansed the lepers, raised the dead, set people free from demonic possession, oppression. Every miracle that Jesus performed, it was an assault on human suffering. He was saying, I'm not willing to leave humanity in this condition. I'm not willing to leave people in this condition. And in this very case, he fed a bunch of hungry people in the middle of the wilderness. And Jesus is making an important statement here. Humanity is suffering and looking for answers and trying to find something to sustain them. And I am the answer. I am the answer to that longing. I am the one who can satisfy the appetite of your hungry heart because I am the bread of life. I know this is true because I see the prayer requests that come in every week. So often in our staff meetings, we get the prayer requests that people fill out on their connect cards, the prayer requests that come in online and we keep them confidential just so you know, but, but I want you to know we pray over them. Sometimes we take those cards and we spread them around, spread them around at the table as a staff and I see the needs that are coming in. I see people whose marriages are broken people who need a relationship to be restored with a family member, people whose kids are away from the Lord, people who are struggling financially, need a new job, people who are sick and need healing in their body. And there's this sense like everybody's longing for something. Everybody's got a hungry heart. Like everybody needs, needs God in some way to show up in, in their life. People need something to sustain them. People need something to get, to, to get them through. And Jesus would say to you, I am the bread of life. Jesus offers us himself. Let me just tell you something, church. 
We need him more than anything he can do for us. Oh, I'm thankful for what he can do. Oh, I'm thankful as we sang before, you're the same God. You're the God who worked miracles in the Old Testament. You're the God who who healed people in the New Testament. I'm thankful Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you come to me for prayer and you need healing, I'm gonna pray and believe for healing. If you need a breakthrough in in your marriage, I'm gonna pray for God to touch your marriage. If you have a lost loved one, we're gonna pray that, that God would call them home. We're gonna pray for relationships to be restored. I'm gonna pray and believe for God to move in your life. But let me just tell you something. If you walk with God long enough, if you endeavor to go on this spiritual journey long enough, there will be seasons. There will be seasons when your heart aches, when your heart hurts, when you're not quite sure what God is doing when he doesn't answer every prayer request the way you thought he would. We trust that he's a redemptive God, that he's at work even when we don't understand it. But let me tell you what he'll always do. He'll always give you himself. He'll always give you his presence. I've lived long enough. I've walked through enough stuff to tell you, church, if you got the presence of God, you can get through anything. You can get through anything. Jesus is saying to you and to me, I am the bread of life. We can turn to our good, loving, heavenly Father because he turned his heart toward us through the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Listen to me, if you're here today and you feel far away from God, if you say, Pastor Jeremy, you don't know what I've done. You don't know my sins. You don't know how broken I am. You don't know how far away I feel from God. Listen to me, when you call on the name of the Lord, he saves you, he forgives you, he heals you, he restores you. He will give you his Holy Spirit to sustain you. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the, from the dead is the same spirit he wants to put on the inside of you. He is the bread of life. Oh, can we just go to him for a moment right now? I don't know what the longing of your heart is, but would you just bow your head right now? I don't know what the longing of your heart is. I don't know what the need in your life is, but can we call on Jesus, the bread of life? Jesus, we thank you that you have given us yourself. Oh, Father, we thank you for the gift of your your son, the bread of life. And Jesus, we want to make you our greatest priority. You you are essential in our lives. And we declare today that, that we cannot live without you. We have all of these things in our lives that we think will fill us, that will give us purpose and meaning. But, but Jesus, today we recognize that we cannot live without you. you. You are essential in our lives. And Lord, today we're asking that you would sustain us, that we would hold on to your presence no matter what we're walking through. Father, I thank you that you see every need in this room. You see every hungry heart, every broken heart, every need. And we thank you, Lord. I believe you're at work. But here's what I know. I know you'll always give us your presence to sustain us. Jesus, you are, you are the gift. You're the treasure. Lord, today I'm praying that you would be the one who satisfies the deepest longings of our heart, the love that we always search for, the meaning that we've always looked for in this life that we would know it's found in a God who loved us so much that he stepped out of the majesty of heaven. He took on flesh and blood to come to this world, to give himself for us in the greatest act of self-sacrificial love. Oh, may that love change our hearts all over again. And now today as we're praying, I want to pray for the person in this room who you'd say, Pastor Jeremy, that's me. Pastor Jeremy, when you talk about the person who feels far away from God, you're talking to me. Maybe you're watching online. You say, Pastor Jeremy, that's me. I know my sins. I know my failures. I know how many times I've tried or I've tried to be a good person. I've tried to be a religious person. 
I've given up on church in the past or this is my first time here. This is my first time ever hearing something like this, but something in my heart longs to experience the kind of love that you're describing. Something in my heart is drawn to this. Listen to me. We believe that is the, the gentle tug of a loving God who is drawing you to himself, to his son by his spirit today. And I want to invite you just to say yes to Jesus just to say yes to Jesus. Jesus, every, everywhere he went in the, in the gospels, he invited people to follow him. So today he's inviting you to follow him. And it starts with saying, Jesus, yes, I'll follow you. I'll believe in you. If that's you today, just pray this with me. Jesus, I give you my yes. I give you my yes. I want to follow you. I place my faith in you. I believe you are who you said you are. The bread of life who came down from heaven, that you are the son of God. Pray this with me, that you lived a sinless life on my behalf, that you went to the cross for my sins and you were resurrected to give me new life. And I'm turning from my sin today and placing my faith in you. I'm asking you to sustain me. I'm asking you to give me your Holy Spirit. I'm placing my faith in you today. Father, I bless every person who prayed that prayer today for the first time for the hundredth time. Lord, we thank you that whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. We thank you for your spirit that testifies to our spirit that you are Abba, Father, that we've become your sons and daughters. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org or follow us on social media.